1: Get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock a roll
2: It's a terrible thing when you have kids and you see them be embarrassed. And you think it's like, it's, it's crushing. It's like seeing them being physically hurt. Because you think that's, that's one, you know, if you have a, if childhood is a thousand lights, it's one of them that turned off, you know. And when you become an adult, all your lights are off, you know. So the job as musicians is to, keep, is to keep as many of them on as possible, even though it might result in humiliation.
3: Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst,
0: co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious
3: Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map.
4: I was going to say, how do you cope with the band that comes in that thinks, you know, this is the band, this is what we do, and we need you to produce us? So do you, you liberate them? Out?
2: I try, and um, the first thing I try and do is um, not think of people having it's not a factory line where you're putting on the tires of the car, you're doing the windscreen, is to um not have stations like this is this is your area. Mm. So everybody can do any whatever they want is the first thing. And you know, when we started at first, bring it back to us again, talking about ego <laughs> you know, we talked about it you guys both being drummers, but you're not it's very reductive to think about you both as drummers. Right. I mean, drumming is, my drums are my favorite instrument, uh, but you, know, you do other stuff. And great things happen when, you know, people try other things. You know, I was listening to a band the other day that my daughter sent me, um, Maher, a Japanese guitar band. I can't remember what it's called now. It's a record with Bill Wells and this Japanese band, and the record's called Osaka Bridge. And it's horn players who can't really play. They'd probably be insulted by saying it, but it's all out of tune. But it's an amazing, amazing record. And they're trying something that they're not that comfortable with. They're, they're playing instruments that they're not that comfortable with. And instantly, I fell in love with it. And it's like, it's flawed and it's beautiful. But once you start getting people, this is my station, I'm really good at this, and I don't want to do anything else, you suddenly get into documenting their brilliance rather than their discovery. So I have worked with bands, there's one band recently, who there ain't no person sent me a request that I, I wanted to work with them. And I said, no, I don't. And I gave them like 10 to 15 points of why I wouldn't. I wouldn't I would usually be that blunt, but I decided to be as blunt and open as I could because I liked the, the, the person who sent it to me. And I wanted them to know that I was considering it and just the reason why I wouldn't do it. And uh, it was a really brutal um, email I sent. And he sent it to the band. And he um, said the band wanted to talk to you. Oh. So I thought, wow, that's something. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to Nashville to work with them. And um, I tried to do all the things that I said we should do. And then they just didn't feel comfortable with it at all. So I've had, you know, in the last few years, I've had a lot of experience that are similar. So I kind of stopped producing um, for that reason. I just, you know, that I came up with The Cure and The Banshees as my favorite groups. And I'm not just saying that, you, but they were my favorite groups. And the thing I loved about them so much, it, it was pivotal in my musical, uh, under, my understanding of music, was that every record that was done by the groups that you were in were completely different from the last one. And the only comparison I can find is Pete Kanye or Kendrick Lamar where they are willing to um, alienate their current fan base to do what they want to do. And the fan base generally stay with them because you you are documenting discovery within yourself. And you can hear this tangible excitement from the artist that we're throwing out the rule book we had last year, that yes, that worked, but we're doing something else now, and then we're going to do something else. And um, I'm, I miss that, and that's what I expect from music. It's, from artists is like keeping on I'm gonna try something else that I'm excited about and I don't really hear it in a lot of new bands because I think they're too conscious of brand and what the expectation is right. so it becomes this kind of expansionist capitalist idea of music and and not like in a coldplay way where we're just going to get bigger and you know you know it's 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 like cherry coke and uh, coke vanilla coke as of like that and bands didn't do that before so that's my that's what i miss and that's why i can't really do records like that anymore but what was it with you guys like why was there an active um did you have discussion say we're not going to do that next time we're going to do something else or was it just natural so tough so
3: tough we did because i was thinking while you're talking when We'd made the first album, which was basically a a whole live set that we'd played for three years. And we just recorded it. And we had no idea what we were doing. We just like, okay, record it, record it. And at the end of that, we're like, yeah, that's not really quite who we are. And so when we come to do 17 seconds, we really we, we told Chris Parry, you know, God love him that, you know, he better not come into the studio because, you know, we didn't want to do the same thing. And his office was right in the same building as as the um, studio. So he came in maybe about once every couple of weeks. He'd sort of sneak in late one night and have a listen. But, you know, that was really a genius idea by him because he left us to our own devices. And I can remember sitting in there, like listening to every take that we did of stuff and sitting there and really thinking about it and we made a point where we decided okay we can't just put ourselves into one uh place like you were saying about stations and stuff and we all swapped instruments we all said like okay let's just you know i'll play a bit of guitar you play some drums you know put robert on drums and uh, play some something else and mix it up and you know we liked some of the things we did that way some of them sounded really good and some of them sounded not so great and but the idea was that was a that was a, a liberating leap. It helped us leap and see it in a different way. So therefore, when Robert was doing the vocals, I could sit there and go, okay, how about this? How about that? Let's let's try something there. You know, my mind was not just like, oh, I'm the drummer and that's what I do. And I can't have a thought about anything else. And it and it filled it more. And that's really what happened again when we got together. That's what happened. It was it was remarkable for me to feel that power again because after so many years and you're right after so many years you get into a thing where you think okay this is what we do this is the formula and that that kind of kills everything most of the time you know it stops it dead.
4: you know the uh, the question you always get asked is what do you like best, uh, recording studio or live? Yeah. And we like both, but there's there's no easy answer because we're looking for live in the studio somehow. And yet you've got a whole new environment and, and, and a place to work. When you form a band, you're, you're not thinking of recording studio. You're You're thinking of getting a bunch of songs together, be them cover versions of somebody else's songs or your own efforts at writing and, and really you're trying to get a gig and see how long you can do it for. And then somewhere you get your first album session. And so you get the chance to record all the songs you've been playing live for maybe a year or maybe three or maybe more. And then a year after having toured that album of new songs or the old songs, you're asked to record a bunch of new songs for the second album. I think I joined a band that had just imploded on its second album. And right. that album, which was, they were going to tour America with, did, didn't. I don't think it even got released in America. So it was going to be the first American release. Scream, first album, join hands, second. And then it came to pretty much like, um, it wasn't, if I can remember correctly. So the tour limped home you know and then it was like let's write some new songs so susie and Severin went off and wrote stuff in in a demo studio which they probably hadn't done ever uh, because they they'd written as a band uh, i imagine because i wasn't there and so they fleshed out a lot of ideas with a beatbox and it was like a, pe- a peculiar kind of you know and computer rhythm beatbox that Roxy Music would have been using on the dance away years right and so it changed the sound straight away from, you know, Kenny Morris wanting to be like Mo Tucker uh, or, you know. And then suddenly you've got this kind of s- sultry, simmering little, you know, little rumbas going on then. Yeah. And Severin playing some bass, more m- m- melodic bass, because it was tuned. I, I, there was like some kind of hint at top line melody. And when, by the time I got in there, you know, I, there was a lot of stuff all fleshed out, but it was a, a lot of beatbox. Um, but if there were tracks to be written, I remember picking up a bass that was lying around and a couple of MXR flanges and, and playing those, having played one string bass and, and a song is born and, but no, no talk, no discussion. Where are we going? What's the direction? Uh, what do we look like? Who are we? Um, those things came along once we'd established ourselves as a new band, then suddenly along comes, yeah, but you don't do that, do you? Why is the marimba on this record when you you use that on the creatures, don't you? Because it's funny how you're allowed to do certain things in certain places. And that's the kind Mm -hmm. of discussion that you think a band would be healthy for, you know, you would think it yeah. would be healthy to have these discussions. But you're saying, it's like when you start, you don't have the time for those discussions.
2: Well, there's more at stake, I think, you know, it's, it's very easy for me to push a band and I've done it before. You know, why don't we try to do this? And um, I don't have to stand on stage and sell the thing. Um, so there's a risk of humiliation. And I think what happens as you get older is, it's a terrible thing when you have kids and you see them be embarrassed and you think it's like it's, it's crushing. It's like seeing them being physically hurt because you think that's that's one. You know, if you have a if, if childhood is a thousand lights, it's one of them that turned off, you know. And when you become an adult, all your lights are off, you know. So the job as a musicians is to, keep, is to keep as many of them on as possible, even though it might result in humiliation. Like it's doing things knowing that it might be a disaster. Yeah. And interestingly, people like to see the tightrope walker. The reason why I don't really watch um, horses do show jumping is because it's not that exciting. You know, they, I know they're rehearsed and, and um, it's going through the motions. I saw Beyonce at Coachella and I didn't need to be there for the show to work. It's it had been rehearsed within within, you know, inches of its life. So it didn't need me. And you kind of want to see people taking a risk. And that's, as you progress through your band career, you take less risks because the potential for failure is, are, you know, is too great. And, and then, you know, you have management, management label saying, this worked the last time, mm. so let's do it again. And so you start making enough changes to appease everybody, you know, yourself, but they're not radical. And I think both you, Guys got kickstarted by validation on radical of rad- radical ideas. Whether it's the drumming on the Slits album Cut, or the crazy experiment experimentation of Seventeen Seconds, which was a crazy record. Um, and then you did Kaleidoscope. And you think, well, okay, well, we'll go further next time. We'll go further because the they the the crazy of the idea. It seems they're not let um radical isn't less accessible it seems to be now but it's not radical is its own hook yeah and weird is its hook but now uh, the reason why rock and roll is failing miserably is because it just wants to be liked you know the 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 radical takes i mean there's a few alt j came out and that was kind of radical but then you know those two kids on youtube who were pretending to write an lj sound that's as good as all lj haven't taken the leap from 17 seconds to pornography right. or you know they just haven't made that leap where i kind of know what they're going to do so my the the lights in my brain aren't igniting i wonder what they're going to do like i got from say going on the kendrick record to, from um you know, to paint a Butterfly, to Dam, and then to, you know, the latest one. They're all, it's surprising, you kind of want to keep up, this is like, what the hell is he going to do next? And um, that's what I miss from, from bands. And so the actual point of bands isn't quite there. You don't have that crazy dynamic where heads are butting together and you're a gang, so you feel powerful enough to try the experiments. Um, individuals don't have it in the same way, so fans are just trying to please the brand. They're not pushing each other, and there's not this internal competition. A lot of times, a lot of the bands that, again, I liked were like Public Image and Metal Box. They were four very or three individual characters we
1: yeah. were having a
2: fight, an internal fight. You can hear it, yeah. and they're trying to outdo each other, and um, usually the energy force in a lot of bands that was one person and they're dragging everybody along and you know you can't you can't distinguish who's drumming on this because it's just kind of formulaic generic drumming whereas say on your stuff i knew it was you playing always and um and you you know i knew you know block party were probably one of the last bands that i could tell who who what band they were in or maybe you know um yeah, pretty much them. I can't think of that many where, where I could I could tell just by listening, oh, that's the drummer from Block Party, because um, they're all very, very distinct char- characters. You know, it's almost like the Bebop people when you have Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker playing in the same band or whatever. They're all people who are helping each other, but you yeah. know they're having a fight. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, I'm going to show it like the Beatles did it. Good bands do it, that's, rather than one person being the life force and everyone just running along beside them, So um so yeah, I was hoping that we'd achieve some of that with, with us, the record. And I think we did, you know, it was like
3: Yeah. Definitely um, definitely.
2: Just to try and find out what we were made of. And also another thing which I really wanted to look at was um picking up dropped batons, you know? And and remembering certain things that that should have I think Lol, you said to me, your son had said when we were, we were recording that a lot of bands that he knew were taking one idea from the band that they liked and just really right. looking at it in the microscope and seeing what happens if we go deeper into this, almost like a like a um, Rothko painting where we're just going to take one color and just look at it. So there was a bit bits of that that I wanted to really explore with certain ideas that you guys had that, we, that haven't been explored enough maybe in some ways.
3: You just reminded me of one of the things I always liked, and I, I feel that we did this with the album we just made. Is it, like at the beginning in my time, you know, with the Cure and that Robert would always say at the beginning of a tour or the beginning of the records, the next record, this is last record we're doing, we're not doing any more after this. This is the last tour we're ever doing. We're not doing anything more after this, and he would sincerely mean it. Never happened, but he would sincerely mean it, and it had the habit of focusing you're like okay if this is going to be the last thing i'm going to do what am i going to do so it focus your mind into making you do things that you would you wouldn't sit there and say okay well we need this song because that was like that song on the last record that people liked we're not going to do a single the same way because it was like i mean you know i think about that when we finished pornography and the next thing we put out was like you know let's go to bed which was like you know, more than 180 it was like 360 degrees from what we'd done before but it was kind of exciting at the same time i mean it was a tremendous calamity after pornography the band fell apart
2: completely but then it all fell back together again well, that's an interesting thing as well with that uh, you know also like with the rock and roll i remember dancing to that song in a, in a club in Dublin as a kid and um I don't know if people dance to rock and roll anymore, oh. do they? I mean, it's like a it's like dance club and rock and roll, it has a different purpose, but um, the body music aspects of these things aren't um, explored much anymore, you know? Like, uh, yeah, I used to go dancing to that, and I loved it. And, it. and also, you know, I think I was dancing to primary too, though, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: well, you know, the other thing about it was uh, people would try and put us in a little box as well, And if they'd ever heard, you know, like Robert had this box of cassettes that came with you on tour, right? And Robert's box of cassettes that he would play after the show in his bedroom, you know, if it was Club Smith that night or not Club Tolhurst or whatever, he'd bring this box of cassettes out and it had all kinds of stuff on, like really, you know, different things that most of the people, not most of the people, but some of the people that liked at the time would think, why is he like that? Why has he got that in there? You know, and it was like so different. And Simon used to say to me, you know, pop's not a dirty word, lol. It's not a dirty word. I like some pop. I love, you know, he loved, I mean, he spent the whole of a turd walking around quoting Kate Bush lyrics. I remember that like but the whole of Christmas time, you know, he was just walking around dressed as father Christmas, quoting her lyrics. Um, you know, there's different things that make it up. And and it's the other thing is, I always found it strange that people expect bands to recreate what they did before just a slightly different way. You know, that's the, the only artists in the world that you expect to do that. You know, nobody looks at a painter or, or a poet and says, give me something exactly the same as last time, but just change a few words or a few strokes, you know? It's like uh, they, they're all la- allowed to evolve, and for me, that's the only thing that I can really think about. Because this album that we just done is evolved so much that people are going to know it's come where it comes. They're going to know where it comes from, but it's so different that it's fresh and exciting. You know, it's it wouldn't be fresh and exciting to do what we did before again. To me, not really. You know, it would be. You know, part, I mean, there are there are tribute bands that do just as good a version of those kind of things, and perhaps they should do it. You know, but I don't think I want to do it. There's, a few, there's a few out there now. <laughs> there's a few out there. There's a few out there. <laughs> I've had the uh, the the,
4: I've had the dubious pleasure of hearing my beats played by somebody else. Very, oh yeah, <laughs> very recently, yeah. and um, it struck me that um, what we've also got on this album is. Um, guest vocalists, Um, do you think that release from the band, because most of the people who are singing on the album have been in bands for a good 10 years, if not longer, and if you like, the caricatures, the the credentials, the, the, the way that things come together is well established. Have you found, and maybe in other collaborations as well, where you put somebody out of not just the comfort zone, but the familiarity? Yeah, they come where they usually they, they bring in, I want that microphone, I want this kind of carpet, and I want you know, that scent on the air, and then I'll be in my place. But most of these were done, we don't know, they were out of our control, right? They were, a lot of this was done, files being sent.
2: Some, I mean, I think there was, there was some were done here. Uh, uh, Bobby Gillespie and James Murphy um, were done that way that we sent them of the course. Yeah, um, I think the others were here. I, I know Arrow from Starcaller. She was a little uncomfortable. Um, it's always difficult when you're doing quick sessions to assess when somebody's feeling safe or they're just, it's a new situation or they're just wondering who the hell I am and all that kind of stuff. So, it's the, the, you know, quick sessions are tough. Um, and I, you know, when I moved to LA, I did a lot of pop sessions and I, so, and they are like blind dates, you never quite know what, you, what, what, what you're doing. And, um, you know, sometimes you don't get close to somebody. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't hit it off, but really to train. Um, it's hard to know that somebody is just weird. Some people are weird, you know, singers, especially, um, or they're uncomfortable. Or, I'm, you know, they don't like me, they don't like the studio, it's a lot, lot you know having a bad day, it's, it's difficult, and I don't want to say, are you having a bad day? Um, it's probably not a great thing, but you want somebody to feel safe enough that they can try something out.
4: Vocalists, we have two guest guitarists, and we have let's see. Oh, and we have you know, people that you introduced us to, uh, but I mean, you know, for, for string arrangements and brass arrangements. But um, Mary
2: Latimer too, yeah, yeah,
4: oh, yes. yeah. But so vocalists maybe are a little trickier.
2: Well, they are. There's a lot, you know. I find vocalists to be really amazing oh. um, people because. There's, there's obviously some narcissism involved yeah. in it. And then there's crippling, um, fragility, you know, and a lot of the things that people find weird about singers is to, is, is, is like they're having this internal battle where they, you know, but it's like self-hatred, yeah. lacking, lacking confidence. And they come ac- they have to protect themselves so they can come across as being quite difficult when really it's, it's such a bizarre job to do. When, when we're on stage, we're usually hiding, hiding behind something, you know. And we've, we've got a drum kit, or we've got a guitar, or a keyboard, sound or something like that. So it's not actually us. I mean, we, we are making noise happen. But once you open your mouth, it's you. And then if you're writing words, then it's also you. It's, you know, you're, you're trying to put meaning onto words and, and uh, emotions and, and explain things. So it's a weird thing to do, and then you get att- the attention. So generally, you know, I always know if I meet a drummer just because they have similar personalities and they, they, you know, they're standing at the back and they have characteristics that are connected w- with each other. You know, there's, um, you know, they're generally very supportive and anchoring. You know, it sounds like a cliche, but it's true. Um, it's not just the beat, but it's also the personality. Which is strange because I think a lot, of, a lot of new bands are missing drummers. You know, they they have programmers and things like that, so they're actually missing the personality rather as well as the sound. They're missing the personality, but singers they, they have a tough job, and and um, you know I expect them to to try stuff out, and if they've never met me before, they don't know if I'm going to mock them or to um, you know make them sound bad. Um, so when even from working with Neil Diamond, who mistrusts producers anyway, because one of them took a hit out on him when he was younger, you know. So that's why he started carrying a gun. But he just thought I was there to fuck him up. So he knew that he needed me, but he didn't want me and he didn't like me. Um, He got to like me. Um, His way of apologizing to me for being difficult with me was to put shit stones in my shoes. Anyway, well, I didn't wear shoes at the time, so when I go home, I put my feet in my shoes and they feel the with stones. <laughs> but you know, my role is to try and get to try something that I haven't tried before, or that they wish they could do, but had not been given the license or the support to do it. So I remember I, I started off when I worked for the band Block Party. We were recording an album, and I said, "Okay, we got that done. Is there anything that?" You would really like to do it, but you don't know if you could. And Kelly, the singer who you had in the show, said, you know, I really like, but it's mostly hip-hop music. And, you know, we'd made a guitar record. So towards the, the end of it, we, he said, you know, I really want to do something that's somewhere between Peekaboo by the Banshees and One Thing by Amory. And uh, I said, okay, well, why don't we just do it? Just see what happens. Just give it a few days. And we did a song, and it became the first single from the record. And then we ended because it, it was so liberating to do this thing, to work in this way. We then went back to the, all the recordings we had done and started um, playing with them because we'd given ourselves license to, to do it. But it's really like those things. Bands don't quite know: can we do? Can we get away with this? And they don't know, and they don't have a conversation with each other. Like secretly, they listen to like you were saying. Robert listens to this kind of music, but he doesn't necessarily think, "Can we? Can we actually do this?" So um, I try and find what those things are and um, and do it. So when I was working with Two Door Cinema Club at first, I did the first record I did with them. We just recorded straight the way they wanted it, and that was fine. And then the second one, uh, the singer Alex had a bit of a. A breakdown, the other band were overworked and forgot how to write songs. So we were trying to figure out how do we, how do you actually write a song? You couldn't remember how to do it. So I got this box that changed Thanks. your gender and um, it turned him into a kind of more of a higher pitched vocalist. And it enabled him to hide, in the way he hid behind his guitar, he could hide behind this box so he could say things a bit like Bono did with Mephisto. You can say things that, or a ventriloquist dummy, you can say things that you can't say. So once he started doing that, and then we took away the box, suddenly he felt, shit, I can do this. And um, I can be playful. I don't have to be earnest. I can try stuff on. Similar as you were saying with Robert and the Banshees, you know, I'm just going to try to see how it feels. And uh, once you get away with it, it, it just expands your world and your arsenal. And that's my job i guess for some people it's not they just document recordings which is fine i kind of want to try and find out what the person dreams of being
0: curious creatures is created and presented by lol Tolhurst and budgie producer joe wong producer and audio designer dan didier Executive Producer, Mark Cates. Associate Producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital Marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and Logo Design, Justin Thomas K. Music Production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Curious Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter.
3: Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023.